I just I just got up from a nap. So I'm trying to trying to turn the day around. It's four o'clock in the afternoon. And I am uh uh you know, I'm definitely I'm definitely a super adult. I'm like the most adult adult on the planet, lots of responsibilities. I just sometimes I feel like the uh you, you know Lego movie, the when what's its name? The kitty, the kitty cat has to keep all the the boardroom occupied. Business, 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 business. <laughs> that that is how I feel pretty much constantly. I pretty much constantly feel like I'm doing exactly that. So yeah, I just I just woke up from a nap. Earlier today we recorded the last well we broadcasted it, but we recorded the last episode with Kyle for Scale is Needed. And um that went well. That was pretty cool. So, you know, it's Valentine's Day, bro. What what else do you do with your Valentine's Day? What did you get, Katie? Don't even, dude. Don't even. What did I get, Katie? Yeah. Uh, we went to dinner to an, an exceptionally mediocre Thai restaurant last night. And uh, that's about it so far. So she's at work today. Um, so after we're done here, I'm going to go and get her some flowers and like a little card. So it wasn't a tie. It was a loss. That's a terrible joke. That's not Thank good. Thank you. No, that's I not, appreciate it. That's not good no, at all. Good. I, I, I will, you know what? I am going to take, I'm going, I'm going to chalk that up as a win, not a tie. Oh, ugh, ugh. Yeah, no, it, it was, you know, I, earlier this week I told her, I was like, hey, you know, we've been hearing a lot about this Thai restaurant. We've driven by it a bunch of times. She's She likes Thai food, but not as much as I do. So we don't go all the time. And so I was like, hey, man, listen, you know, you're working on Valentine's Day. It's bullshit. But, you know, let's, we'll do dinner the night before. It'll be great. She's like, oh, my God, that's so cute. And I was like, I know I'm the best husband ever, but don't expect anything else because I'm not getting you anything else. And she's like, what? I was like, damn, did I just fuck this up like that quickly? Like that was pretty fast. I fucked that up really fast. Like I had just a little bit of momentum moving in the right direction and then I immediately shit all over it super, super fast. So anyway, fast forward to last night. We go to dinner, uh, a mediocre, exceptionally mediocre Thai restaurant. Um and I was still like, hey, listen, I, I still, I mean, I wasn't trying to like set your expectations low. I literally did not get you anything else. Like we just, we just do, do like do a little cute dinner. She's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. It's not a big deal. Whatever. Not to. She, did she, I'm sorry. Did she say the word fine? No, no. She did not say the word fine. She did not say the word okay. fine. Okay. She, no, no. That's, because that's because fine means you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It was funny. It was funny and it was cute. It was funny. And it was cute when mom sent valentine's gifts she sent uh, a whole bunch of m&ms valentine's themed m&ms that was funny and cute it was funny and cute also when her friend sent her flowers and before she opened it and knew it was from her friend she was like oh my god did you get me flowers i was like no i did not get you flowers and then it was really funny and cute when this morning i got out of bed at you know like 7 30 or whatever to take care of the dogs katie had left the house a couple hours before then you know and i'd seen her in the morning but i didn't get out of bed this morning to like make her coffee or something which i usually do i get out of bed and on the 
kitchen table is, you know, a little card and some Valentine's candy from Katie. So you could say that things are going great. Uh, no, I, I, I definitely, after, after we're, after you and I have finished our appointment, I have to go to the local Walgreens to pick up like a card for her. So. That's a good idea. Yeah, I think that's, that's a, good a good idea. idea. I think it's a good idea before before it's an irreversible before it's an irreversible fuck up. You know? It, it's already a problem. No. No, we're fine. It's already a problem. No, we're fine. You know, I'm not going to yeah, lie. You're, I'm you're not... fine. Exactly. Remember no, we're, we're remember what good. I just said. Remember what I just said. If if you're fine, you're fucked. No, no. Yeah. We're great. And and in this case, Valentine's Day Nah, whatever. We're great. Listen, I don't know what you're talking about. Are you gonna are, are you gonna buy flowers? If Walgreens sells flowers, then yeah, I'll, I'll buy her some flowers. But otherwise, probably you know. Yeah, it's not a good idea to actually go to a florist on Valentine's Day. No, no, that's a terrible idea. I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not that dumb. Listen, I'm not the smartest man in the world, but I'm not that dumb. I've. I think <laughs> I've fallen for that before. No, I think what I'll what will probably end up happening is uh katie prefers succulents over flowers because they last longer they're prettier they fit more with like the house and stuff so i'll probably take her sunday she's not working i'll probably take her on sunday and we'll go pick out a couple succulents from like the local um haberdashery that's not the right one but you know what i mean the local what's the tree arborist the local arborist. Arboreum. Arboreum. Ar- ar- arboreum. Yeah. Ar- arboreum. Yeah. The yeah. local biodome. One of the, the corner biodome. We're going to get in there. We're going to pick up a, a Jurassic succulent. It's going to be sweet. You put you put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. By saying arboreum? Arboreum? Arboreum. arboreum. Ar- I, I actually might be wrong. I, I, I have no idea. Yeah. Wait, what did you do for Valentine's Day? You have two, you have two kids... You got you got your wife. What did you do? I was a stunning father. So for we're this both entire week. So we're both killing it, is what you're saying. Are to we both fair, fine? <laughs> probably. Oh. To, to be to be fair to be fair, I'm terrible at this. Uh, so it's probably my fault that, or partly my fault that you're terrible at this because. As the older brother, I modeled poor behavior for you, and and now you're making bad decisions. Yeah, God knows but dad wasn't great at this either, so. I, You know what? No comment on any of that. <laughs> I think dad was fantastic at all of this. How Wait, dare you? is Narg good at this? Narg is good at everything, so <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah, that's a good point. That's I was about point. to say, you did have Narg to model good behavior, you know, thoughtful plans, things out. Yeah. Successful, good scheduling skills, good people skills. Yeah. Athletic. Yeah. Yeah. I picked up none of those, none of those qualities. I, I, I got, you know, not listen, let's not, let's not write you off as an older brother, but to be fair, I didn't get Narig's best qualities. I'll tell you that. <laughs> listen, I didn't get Narig's best qualities either. I don't know if it works that way, but, uh, you know, he's, I, 
I, I don't know what he did for Valentine's. I'm curious now. Did they we take were, a helicopter to like the rooftop and in, in fucking like I don't know Rome somewhere? Uh, I mean, I think it's a little early for helicopter trips as a romantic uh, excursion. Wow. I'm just I'm I'm just saying today of all days is probably you know the the announcement Kobe was. Uh, I, listen, I got. I got hit hard about that. I'm not even going to joke about that. But uh, I mean, knowing Narek, it was something nice. I think with Yvette and I, I've lucked out because Yvette likes the idea of flowers better than the flowers themselves. And what I mean by that is she likes the idea that flowers encompass that I'm getting her something that required me to, I'm making a slight assumption here that required me to put in some legwork and look through a bunch of choices and make a decision based upon what I think she would like. She doesn't like flowers because they're, they're immediately dying. And she has, Yvette has like mutant level uh, senses when it comes to smelling and hearing things. Wait, so she can hear plants dying? Is that what you're saying? Because it sounds like that that's what you're saying. It sounds like that's exactly what you're saying. I don't know about hearing them die, but uh, that, that puts things in perspective. But she certainly does not enjoy the smell. So I've experienced in the past doing all of those things and then at the end of the day, seeing the flowers either outside or in the trash. So after going the other direction and not doing anything and realizing that was a horrible, horrible, horrible mistake, even though we laugh all the time about Valentine's Day being a soulless, capitalistic, money-grabbing endeavor for greeting cards and florists correct that doesn't matter she wants something uh so i I did something small i i got her i found those old school sweetheart candies and that on the box there's room for a to and a from and i wrote to yvette from zara and then with a box of chocolates and i think I think that that was good. I don't know. I, I have to pull. I have to pull her. Uh, I have to send her a, a survey monkey or something, and see uh, on the scale of one to ten how she appreciated that gift. You know, I I get it. You know, it, I actually just saw I just saw an XKCD comic about this today about like the struggle of trying to figure out how to deal with Valentines. You know, do you lean into the soullessness and its corporate nature, how how trite and contrived the entire thing is, and just go, okay, I got you a box of chocolates and, and some roses and I paid $280 for them? Or do you acknowledge, well, do you acknowledge its meaninglessness and therefore also acknowledge the meaninglessness of really everything 
You know what I mean? Like you're 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 like you're two you're you're two logical jumps away from just pure nihilism at that point. So you know, it's a it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. But I think I'm I, I've said it before. I'm not a very smart man. I'm not the smartest man on the planet. But what I will say is uh, I concur. Thank you. You're um, welcome. I will say that it seems as if it's the effort that really counts. It's not really that like you could get it wrong. Don't get me wrong. You can definitely get it wrong. But it's not really about getting it right. It's about getting it. You know, that's what I've learned. Now, if I could only I, just put that into practice. I agree. And so I think, I think the best possible gift in this scenario would be something, anything, along with a story about how you started at a certain point, some things went horribly wrong, and instead of bailing on the entire process, you spent hours and went through it and got it anyway. I think that's probably the ideal scenario. Because that shows not only did you think about it and put some effort into it, but even when things went horribly wrong, you stuck with it because it was so important. Are you saying that the Iliad was basically a, 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 just a big Valentine's Day gift gone awry? Like just taken way too far? Just burn the ships. This is it. I can't leave. I can't leave without success. This story must end with success. Burn the ships, folks. Paris made a lot of horrible decisions. Let's just put it that way. Uh, <laughs> and a lot of horrible decisions. Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, we'll see. So far, so far, it's going, it's going great. And Zach actually does not have school today. So Eva and Zach have been spending a, uh, mother and Sunday together and I have been getting the receipts on that and, and the photographs and so it looks like they're having a wonderful time so yeah and I I we planned to have Zach and Alexander uh, stay at grandma's for a day this weekend so we'll have a little staycation or an evening. We'll go to dinner or something, maybe see a movie, you know, Netflix and possibly chill. I don't know. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I mean, that's the, the possibility is all you can ask for. Yeah. Yeah. What else? I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've been. I, I got a. Okay. I'll, I'll, you got something? I, Talk I, to me. Yeah. Yeah. I got. I. So speaking of Valentine's Day, I, I cleaned up. I got a haircut. And oh, it's a good look. That looks good. Shape. Thank you. Thank you. So generally speaking, if I am going to get a haircut, I, I currently own two salons in Lancaster and Hesperia. And they're, uh, they're more. They're full service salons, but it, it's more for women and they're a franchise and they're inside Walmarts. But so I generally get my haircut 
by one of the ladies uh, at the salons, but I didn't have I didn't have the time to get out there today to drive all the way to Lancaster yeah, I mean, and Australia. It's like a forty minute drive or an hour drive, right? So, like an idiot, I'm on Valentine's Day. I'm searching barbers near me, and the first the first one I found, you know, had incredible reviews. And of course, when I went through his his online scheduling, he was booked until next Wednesday. And so that doesn't help me. And then the next one on the list had five stars on Google with 35 ratings. I mean, 5.0. Wow. I was like, wow. And so... I went to their online booking and lo and behold, they had an appointment within 45 minutes of when I was looking this morning. So tiny red flag, like uh, they're not, they're not busy, but I, I don't know. Maybe he just had an opening. It was his only opening of the day, by the way. So I was like, great. So I went there, they were in one of these places where it's like a, a suite that has a bunch of different beauty type, you know, it's 40, 40 suites, basically. They're mm-hmm. like beauty suites. They're tiny little places and, uh, you know, barbers and hairstylists and beauty professionals lease these smaller spaces rather than getting their own kind of storefront. For okay. Example. Makes sense. So I walk in and, cool it's two chairs it's uh it's like it's called brethren brethren barber shop and at two chairs one guy his back to me there's a mirror and he has somebody in this chair and there's a guy waiting and i walk in and i put my hand up to say hello and he puts his hand up and i sit down and on the tv district nine is playing you know, just beautiful, this beautiful. This sounds pretty dope so far. TV. So far, so good. He's got a little mini fridge that says, feel free to help yourself to a drink. And it's got some beer in it. And then, you know, there's, there's, you know, it, it's just, it felt like a guy's, you know, kind of barber place. Yeah. There's a dude in the corner uh, welding something and also chainsawing at the same time. Someone's doing karate. Like John Wick is practicing. It gets better. (laughs) Two doors down. It gets better. So there's one guy that's waiting and and I showed up maybe maybe 15 minutes early before my appointment because I wanted to make sure I got there in a timely manner and checked it out. So I thought, is this guy is he is this guy waiting for for my barber? Did he did he double book this? But no, it was his partner. And his partner walked in about five minutes before my my schedule time and he kind of he walked in i didn't realize he walked in because i was watching the tv and he put his hand on my shoulder and kind of was like he didn't even really make a sound he just kind of pushed me forward to grab something behind me and you know i smiled at him and he smiled at me and uh then i watched him walk up to the back of his chair and the barber who was there already cutting hair stopped what he was doing. They faced each other. They gave each other this 
incredibly meaningful handshake and looked looked at each other for it was a few seconds but it was meaningful it was eye contact but it, they didn't say a word what and so what is I happening like, i was like wow this is so cool like this entire thing is so cool and so the the guy who was waiting gets up jumps in the chair and doesn't say a word to his barber and the barber just starts cutting his hair and i'm like god damn this is like next level it's they've gotten to the point where it's almost a Jedi mind trick in terms of they know exactly this guy must be a longtime customer. You know, they fist bumped and the guy sat in the chair and he start started cutting his hair. So it's like, the, like it's like a, a barber shop was in the John Wick hotel. You just just you're there for hold, business. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, and and I mean, my barber's wearing like a really stylish apron. It's almost like it looks like a work. It looks like the apron. Is he wearing a leather apron? Leather apron, of like tool shop. No, no, no. What a hipster. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> so at 11, my, my appointment's at 11.20. At 11.13, he wraps up with his guy. And the guy, like, taps something into his phone. And the other guy nods at him, fist bump out the door and I walk up, sit in the chair. And at that moment, I realize both of these guys are deaf. The, the, the patron and the barber or both no, barbers, both barbers, they're deaf barbers. Okay. Hell yeah. So there was an awkward moment on my part because I was caught off guard and it's one of those things where like it almost felt like in inception where the, the building shifts and instead of standing on the floor, you're standing on a wall. Yeah. I felt like I had been standing on a wall and all of a sudden the building shifted and I was like, Oh, he's deaf. So immediately I think to myself, okay, don't be that guy. Don't start enunciating your words and talking very loudly. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I did it. I oh, did thank it. God. Oh, thank God. I did it. But he probably saw that register in my, in, in, in my mind. And I could tell he, he looked me in the eyes and he, you know, he asked, he asked as best he can, like what, you know, what I, I was looking for. I told him he, he, he kind of pointed to the side of my head and he put up, you know, one yeah, or two yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. and i Good. explained to him exactly what i wanted what i was looking for and i said do, you know do you need a picture and he just smiled and he shook his head and then he got to work and i had probably the best barbering experience i've ever had haircut and shave uh just wow first it was a novel experience <laughs> novel meaning new <laughs> Uh, something I hadn't experienced before going back to our coronavirus discussion from last time, <laughs> but it was, it was a novel experience in the sense that, you know, both of us are connoisseurs of human movement. Right. And after you coach for a long enough time, you start to w- watch for certain patterns and you think about 
what types of what went into an athlete that moves in a certain way, you know, their entire athletic background and their life's experience. If you remember, we, we could tell, we could reliably guess what sports people played after watching them move for a little while. Yeah. You know, it's a great skill. Big <laughs> That's a uh, party favorite party yeah. trick. Party trick. That's party, exactly what it was, trick. but it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That and guessing weights. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, he went about his business. He was super efficient, but at the same time, you could tell everything about them and the way they went about their business was efficient. It was, it was really interesting to watch. And as he was doing my hair, I thought, I thought to myself, you know, uh, I've gotten my hair cut before, but he was like precise in his movements. And at the same time, you could feel his hands were strong and you think about, you know, learning to sign how that might affect your dexterity and your strength in your hands. Yeah. Like every one of his fingers has biceps is what you're saying. Yeah. I'm with it. And you know, I, at one point a, a guy walked in and he was wearing a shirt that said Hatari, Hatari Hanzo shears. Okay. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a joke. Hatori Hanzo shears, and and Hatori Hanzo is the 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 mythical swordsmith swordsmith from the Kill Bill series. And he pulled out. This guy pulled out from a a small bag he had, like a leather bag. He pulled out a a handful of shears. And he went through them. They were all in these pouches. And he went through them and he found the shears for my barber's partner. And he pulled them out and like he showed the guy the shears. You what know, what is sharp, this? What, how sharp they were. Where did them. you go? For How did this happen? What is going incredible. on in this story? It was incredible. And then that guy nodded to the guy. And the guy who had walked in with the shears, he wasn't deaf. He, he spoke just a few words to them and then fist bump out the door. And this guy put his shears up on this magnetic strip that he had next to, next to the thing. And he, the guy in his chair kind of like did a head, head movement. He didn't say anything. He just, he just raised his eyebrows and like nodded towards the shears and then the barber, you know, started showing off his shears and talking about how much they cost. And, you know, the fact that they were super sharp. It, it, listen, the entire thing was wonderful. I, I was. Did you walk uh, into a comic book? Like what, what is happening right now? You know, in my head, in my head, I had this moment where I fantasized about like, oh, you know what? this is the moment that spurs me to go and learn how to sign so that I can come back and have a discussion in sign language with this barber that I met for the first time today and learn his like story. We can share something. Of course I walked out and, and, and immediately looked for his email contact instead uh, to, to thank him for the experience because what am I going to do? Spend six months learning how to sign and, and walk into the barbershop one day and go, remember me in sign language. 
I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, of course. Only to find out that his name is Gary and he's from Northridge and there isn't really anything that exciting in the story. You're like, oh, so you just went to, you went to, uh, uh, you went to cosmetology school for two years and apprenticed under somebody who's, who's a barber for 35 years. Okay. So the story yeah. is not as, it's not as special as I expected it to be, but without that actual information, you can make the story as special as you want it to be. You can add whatever context you want. I, I think I, everything I told you 100% without exaggeration, that's exactly how it happened and what was going through my head when it happened. I don't think I need to embellish this story anymore. Where was he? L.A., Glendale? It was in Glendale. Armenian guy? Armenian guy. Armenian guy. Varo the barber. Armenian guy. Wow. All right. So basically yeah. he learned how, how old was he? Like our age? Older? Young. Young. young no, younger younger than us. Younger so than it was us. like he was like the, he was like the guy. Uh, he was like the Bane. He was like born in the Russian gulag and learned how to be a barber there before escaping. But not after not not without paying the price. Yeah, I no, I don't think that was the case. I think I think what happened was he the story that they told was that they they be, they became friends and the idea of having a barbershop where they can just hang out and play chess and backgammon and have drinks and also you know, cut people's hair was great. So they ended up going to cosmetology school and learned how to be barbers in order to make that dream come true. Wow. Which That's again, a way better story than what I just made up. That's a way better story. Wow. Two guys, you know, who met each other, you know, at some point in their lives, probably it, I, I'm guessing they probably met in college or while, while they were college aged and decided to do this thing. Uh, listen, more power to them. It was a great experience. I highly recommend them. Brethren, <laughs> brethren barbershop. No one listening to this will ever make it to that barbershop, but I appreciate that. That's good. That's a good, hey. that's a great plug. That's a really good plug. You told a really wonderful story, you know? And, and I wanted to get the haircut because I saw the gentleman. Have you seen that movie? No, I haven't seen it yet. I highly recommend you go see the gentleman. Does it have the classic Guy Ritchie uh, shot of the camera attached to the actor facing back at them while they really, uh, in a very stressful moment, are running through either a forest or alleys or uh, you know mafia underground place and like looking around them? Does it have that shot? It, it does not have that shot, Damn that it. particular, that particular uh, style of shot. He it, that that wasn't the case. I love that they shot. Have it, yeah. Uh, but it was it was so entertaining. It was such a beautifully constructed movie. I really enjoyed it. I don't want to talk about it too much because I'd rather you see it and then we can talk about it. There are a few movies that I haven't seen that I want to see. And one of them is The Gentleman. The other one is Knives Out. I never saw Knives Out. I uh, am 
boycotting anything having to do with uh, Ryan Johnson. That's why. That's why I didn't see it. But I keep hearing positive things about it. And it looks like the type of movie that I would go see anyway. So I'm I'm really wondering whether my sacrifice is worth it. And I don't know if the answer is yes. Because the more I think about this, by the way, the less I feel like I can... I mean, I can 100%. I can put a lot of blame on him for how awful The Last Jedi came out. But I feel like... I, I feel like that blame should be shared among a lot of different people, and it, he shouldn't be the only person to take the brunt of it. No, somebody, uh, somebody up above could have and should have stopped him way, way before it got as far as it got. And by the way, I don't trust, I don't trust anything about the Knives Out reviews and the talk. I think the the cynical part of me is, says that all of this buzz about Knives Out is really to rehabilitate him so that they don't have to cancel, you know, whatever future Star Wars stuff he's going to do. There's no way that he's doing another Star Wars thing. There's no way. I, I thought there would be no way that Kathleen Kennedy would still be employed by Disney and yet she is the thing is among even among all the insane and stupid decisions that they've made there are like flashes in the pan of of them actually being able to think things through and make the right move like for example with uh uh db weiss and david benioff not like having their star wars trilogy taken away from them basically to go work for Netflix, right? Something like that. Like that, that's a good, that's a good thing. They should not. I think the story was that they chose to let it go. Did they? I don't know. I mean, sure. Maybe they can, maybe they got like a hundred million dollar contract, but they were literally being offered a billion dollar budget to make three movies. So, you know what you're, you're getting three movies. You're getting a trilogy in the Star Wars universe, after you have scuttled one of the most valuable fantasy IPs in the history of the planet, <laughs> scuttled is scuttled is the wrong word. It's after you have skull fucked to death one of the one of the most valuable uh, fantasy IPs in the history of the planet. Uh, I think they were they were the same helmsman. They, 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 what they did was the equivalent of the helmsman on the Titanic not taking that iceberg seriously. That's, I mean, really, they were handed almost a guaranteed winner. And it was a guaranteed winner for six and a half seasons. And then they ran out of source material and, and George uh, R. R. Martin was like, I'm not going to help you out of this one, guys. I'm too busy slowly working my way towards the grave and not writing this book. So have fun. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's too fresh for me. I don't know why some of my favorite authors are just not writing the books I'd like them to write. I'm so selfish. Yeah, well, <laughs> you, it's, we've been... <laughs> not finishing the series. I, I can think of... I can already... I know two of the series that you have in mind already. One of them I'm never, ever going to ever read again. 
uh, and that one is is uh, Song of Ice and Fire. It's just not going to happen. Just like just like I never finished reading The Wheel of Time, I you know I got to the point where I was really fucking frustrated with how how circular the storytelling was becoming, and then Robert Jordan died, and then Brandon Sanderson finished it, and I never finished the book. So I was like, all right, whatever. It is what it is. Never going to finish reading uh, a, a Song of Ice and Fire. It's just not going to happen. Uh, I really enjoyed reading it while I could, but at this point, I'm probably going to be an old ass man by the time Winds of Winter comes out. So it's just not going to much less, much less a promise of spring. It's just not going to ever happen. And then the third one is probably uh, Name of the Wind is is the one that you're waiting for the the third the third book to come out, right? Yeah, everyone keeps telling me about that. I haven't I haven't read that book yet, even though you got me a copy of it. I haven't read that book yet. But but that one constantly comes up as like the other example of a of like a fantasy author who's just like I don't know, man. I can't do it. I haven't I I can't I can't put the words down to finish this. And I I keep hearing stories about that guy about how he's like you know, he may have actually finished it and he just doesn't like the way it turned out and he's like I don't know. I I don't I don't know. I don't know enough about it to be able to talk about it, but I I've heard some various things about that guy um you know and well, I you you write a book you write a book the name of the wind and it's the first i think it's the first book he wrote the first novel he wrote and it turns out to be i mean as close i think it's as close to a masterpiece in terms of fantasy writing that i've read and then you're like oh well let's see what he does with this and the sequel is just wonderful i mean develops the story gives just accentuates the original builds upon it and and in in fact enhances the original with the the manner in which the story is told and then uh, what 10 years has passed <laughs> i mean it's I, I can imagine it is really a stressful situation for him as well uh because the expectations are so high that it's almost guaranteed that the third book will not meet those expectations at this point every day that passes those <laughs> expectations you know, don't diminish really, but it's just more and more time and he has to make sure that it's perfect. And when you're trying to do something artistic and the expression of that, you want the outcome to be perfect, then the processes that led you to the good outcomes in the first place with the first book and the second book, let's say, start to fall apart you start to do things that you weren't doing before and guess what that messes with what happens plus in this day and age when you get fans of something you get the hardcore rabbit fans who are not going to wait they're just going to spend hours and hours and hours having conjecture about what the end of the story is going to be like and what's going to happen and as the author, you don't want to read any of that because you don't want to, you know, ever be accused of taking something from one of your fans yeah, or you don't want like poison the well of your own creativity type thing. Yeah, you don't want to mess with that. So, so it's tough. I get it, but I wish he would. I wish he would finish it. And yeah, 
did you? I mean, okay, so you didn't see the gentleman. Did you see? Did you see the trailer for the Batman? Oh, the screen test with Ron Panson. Yeah, I did the teaser. Yeah, that looks Fox. super cool. I mean, it, it's just, you're talking about just the the thing of him standing there and like the, it just shows a little bit of his face. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm I'm sold. I I've been sold. Man, what movie was it that I saw with Robert Pattinson that really sold me on this? Um, Twilight. <laughs> I've actually never seen the Twilight movies. Uh, it was probably Good Night. The 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 same guys that made Uncut Gems. The movie they made before that was called Good Night, and it was not great. It wasn't like it wasn't my favorite movie. It's very very stressful movie to watch. Very anxiety inducing movie to watch. But Robert Pattinson's the main actor in it, and he crushes in that movie he's really good and then i saw i like did the like sort of like the cowl test on him i had like a picture of him and i just covered his like eyes and his upper head and i was he's like got, damn he's got the jaw yeah, yeah. he's definitely he's got, got the, the jaw. jaw and the suit looks super cool the suit looks like the arkham suits it looks yeah. military and sharp and like mechanical it looks like it's these overlapping layers of armor. The helmet, I'm kind of whatever about, but the helmet, it's like, that's the last part they ever nailed down. I don't think, I I think it's purposeful that they didn't show a lot of the helmet. Um, I think the helmet needs a little bit of work. Like the helmet does better, I feel like, when the neck isn't as accentuated. Like the it shouldn't have, because to me, the the ultimate iconic Batman never had a difference between his head and his neck. It was the animated Batman. It just went shoulders directly into cowl and there's, there was nothing else there. Um, so yeah, I think I always feel like that's, that's the move. Like they need to find a way of, of shortening his neck. And, uh, you know, I'm curious to see how big the ears are. I I saw a lot of people talking about like, show us the ears, show us the ears. Cause like, you know, is he going to have the big, long pointy ears or he's going to have the tiny little stump ears? It's really, you know, you can't I, I don't know I, I feel like someone some way can find a way of fucking this up but I don't think you can fuck it up I feel like they're doing such a good job of like at least giving us a new look a new like actually a new angle right because he's he's almost making it into like a noir uh, detective story and that's such an old school way of doing Batman that it's gonna stand on its own in its own really strange way. And Joker came out great. So if they can just, if they can stay away from the, the temptation of creating an extended universe, just don't DC don't do it. Like you you don't have Kevin Feige helping you create an entire universe. You know, there's no reason to try and make a justice league, I mean, tie in, tie in. Yeah. Like we get it. We had, we had the, the, the Baflack. We had, uh, you know, what I thought was actually pretty good Superman that just didn't get, he didn't get treated very well. I think by Zack Snyder. Agreed. I thought we had a good Superman and, uh, Henry Cavill's was so fucking good as Superman. Um, but yeah, I just, man, I don't think they can mess it up that badly. I think if they just stick with their stick with the I, basics, I, I'd like you to stop saying that. <laughs> you need to stop. Yeah, it. stop jinxing it. Please, please. They can mess it up. <laughs> they absolutely can mess it up. We have ample evidence that they're 
they're capable of messing things up. But I agree with you. I really liked what I saw. I thought the suit was really cool. I liked the fact that the symbol on this chest was were actual they look like batarangs that yeah, yeah. he used. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I liked that. Uh, I I liked his entire his movement in that screen test, the way he stood. The music was great. I mean, for a teaser, it did a really great job. And I like how it mirrors the Joker in the sense that they use the screen test as the first introduction of the character. And as far as Robert Pattinson's concerned, I think both from a appeal, appeal standpoint and both from an acting standpoint, I like the choice of Robert Pattinson. I, at first, I was a little bit iffy on it, but w- when you think about it, the best guarantee for these movies continuing to be made is their success. And one of the ways you can bake in success is by having an actor play the role who draws in audiences that aren't your normal audience for the subject matter of that film. So Robert Pattinson has a huge fan base that aren't really necessarily comic book movie type fans, namely the young young ladies uh, who loved Twilight, for example. And I, I I think I think DC's starting to do things right. Uh, hopefully they continue in that vein. I, I'm curious to see who, who the antagonist is. Uh, it, it sounds like what they're doing is his second year of being Batman. So the movie takes place after he's been Batman for a year. Interesting. So there's a lot of opportunity for character development there and for there to be an actual struggle well, uh, I heard uh, they cast Paul Dano as the Riddler. Which who? Paul Dano? Uh, you remember there will be blood. He was the he was the Reverend. He was the oh he was that's the, great. He was that's the person casting. whose milkshake was drink. Drunk. Drunk. Drinking. 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 He was the person whose milkshake was drinking. Drink. Did you say drinking? Drinking. Drink. Drinking. Drunken. Drunken. No. Drinking. Fuck. His milkshake was the one that was drunk. Yeah. Okay, great. Yes. You get what I'm saying. I get what you're saying. But (laughs) I think I think that's I think that's good casting. I think that's good casting too. Yeah. But the rest of the cast looks kind of crazy too. Uh Planet of the Apes guy, Snoke, he's in there. Uh uh, oh god, what's his name? The guy who apparently is a big jackass who takes credit for all of his acting, even though all of his acting is like CGI'd. Come on. Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Who, who played Caesar in Planet of the Apes? Who oh, played Snoke? Oh, Golem. Uh, you, yes, you're you're talking about uh see now now I, I hate that my brain does this. <laughs> I hate that my brain does this. Someone listening to this right now is just yelling the guy's name at their uh, at their absolutely. IPhone. Absolutely. I know. I, and, and you know, what's funny is I think that he's an underappreciated actor. 
I think. Oh, really? I've heard. I've heard. Yes. I've heard really negative things about him. I've heard like he he like takes a lot of credit and then doesn't ever really uh, turn up the credit to like the two hundred and fifty animators who are literally drawing all of his like facial features and actions and you know. I don't you know, know what? I, I have to look this up now. This is this is driving me crazy. Oh, God, I'm what is that? The name. Okay, hold on a second. Do you remember the the? This reminds me of that Got Milk commercial. You remember this was Michael Bay's Got Milk commercial, wasn't it? Michael Bay's Got Milk commercial was the historian who's like who's like Andy eating. Circus. Andy, Andy Circus. Circus. Of Andy course. Circus. Uh, come on, we're idiots for not not having that. I don't, right I don't remember. I don't remember Andy Circus. That's fine. It's okay. Uh, do you, do do you know, do you know what I'm talking about? It was, I think it was Michael Bay's like commercial debut was that, was that Got Milk commercial. I don't remember which Got Milk commercial you're, you're it's the Got Milk commercial. I'm going to look it up right now. It's the Got Milk commercial where the historian is, uh, listening to the radio and it's like for a million dollars, like you're our next caller. You're our next caller for a million dollars. Who shot Alexander Hamilton? <laughs> and, and he has he has like the gun. He has like a picture of like the duel behind him. He's in like a library. I remember has, this now. It is the cookies in his mouth, but no milk. <laughs> that, that, actually, that was a great commercial. I, I want to go back and watch that now, but. It's not the best milk commercial ever. Oh, the best milk commercial ever is uh, is look you you gotta drink your milk so you, uh, you know you gotta grow up big and strong. Well, look, Mr. Jenkins never drank his milk and he grew up big and strong. Hey, kids! And he leans over to pick up the wheelbarrow and his arms detach from his body and the kids are like, ah, drinking the milk. The mom is chugging the milk out of the box. That's the 100% the best one. I don't care what you have to say, but that is no. 100% the best milk commercial. No, 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 no. Cravendale. <laughs> yes. Cravendale. Brian. Milk, milk me, Brian. Milk me, Brian. That's the name of the commercial. I, I highly recommend Everybody watch that commercial. I commercial love that rankings. commercial. Dude. It's 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 a it's a it's a guy sitting at his kitchen table drinking milk looking outside as a wonderful voiceover talks about have you ever wondered about the history of of milk and it it goes back to like him the guy sitting at the table in different ages trying to think about getting milk was you know, it, so it starts was it with divine like a, intervention <laughs> and uh yeah he ends up he ends up uh waking in the middle of the night like in like the 1860s version of himself hearing a voice and he goes into the barn and he throws the barn open and like a light shines on his face and there's like a apparition of a cow dressed like Jesus like it has like floating <laughs> floating in the barn going milk me Brian milk me and then he comes out of the barn and he's got like two overflowing pails of milk and he looks like he's just been through hell and uh, yeah, that that I think is the best milk commercial I've ever seen. 
Someone's got to do milk commercial power rankings. It's got to, got, it's got to happen. I, I why mean, not us? Why not us? That's right. Why not? Why us? not us? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check out the commercials that you mentioned, and I will, I will get back to you on, on if it knocks Milk Me Brian out of the top spot. I doubt it. Dude, I doubt it. The Aaron Burr commercial is, is I think that was the very first Got Milk commercial. So that's what launched Got Milk. So there's history behind that. And the the commercial where the neighbor tears his arms off and everyone starts emergency drinking milk is just it's stuck with me. It's a classic. Because <laughs> it has yeah. it has everything. It has kids talking back to their parents. It has dismemberment. It's everything you're looking for in a commercial. Yeah. It's dope. How did Loki's surgery go? She's good. She's currently laying down. Uh, I don't think I have eyes on her right now, but she's relaxing a little bit. It's been five five days. So her surgery was on Monday. It's Friday right now. So yeah, it's been about five days. Um, did you get the bill? I did. I did get the bill. And it was way cheaper than I expected it to be. So, you know, maybe maybe it was a good thing that I set my expectations so high. It only costs like $3,800. Only. And the, the next leg, by the way, which we also have to do, is going to be 20% off. So it's like a good deal. Uh, okay. So the the surgeon is giving you a, a 20% off multi-leg discount? Yes. Let me explain. So the Please reason do. why they do that is because uh, I'm looking at her right now. She just got up. She's like stretching it out. Yeah, she's doing okay. Um, the reason why they do that is because you have the option to, to get your dog, you know, if they need both legs to be operated on, you can have both operations at the same time, at which point they give you a discount, a 20% discount because it's, it's one setting, but it's also much, much harder on the dog. It's harder for recovery. It's harder because they have they're under uh, anesthesia longer, so it's a little bit more dangerous because of that. It's just there's a lot of negatives that come along with having that type of a long surgery. Plus, the recovery is way, way harder because for you know like two months they won't be able to walk at all, pretty much. Whereas you know she was all she was walking fine. She was just in a little bit of pain um, and kind of like limping a little bit. So we decided to do one at a time and the uh, doctors are to sort of encourage us to make the decision of like spreading it out instead of putting it all together. They basically offer the both at the same time discount at if you do it separately as well, as long as it happens within like six months. Is there a breakdown of what goes into that cost? Yeah, yeah. So we when we were given our estimate, estimation estimate it was um it was a range it was like a price range low to high anywhere from like 35 to 3800 dollars 3500 dollars to 3800 and they broke it down like piece by piece of like all the implements they were using all the medication they were using all the and it was like two pages it was like a page and a half almost two pages long like line items um and the difference was like sometimes they need to use a little bit more medication um uh sometimes they need to do like another blood draw or something. It's just like little things that change here and there. But uh, yeah, it was a lot. I mean, I didn't know. I could, it, it could have all just been gibberish. Like maybe if you took every third letter, it spells out you're a fucking sucker kid. And you know, 
that could absolutely uh, be true. Hopefully. Yeah, that could absolutely be true. But uh, I don't think that was the case. Our 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 vet surgeon, our vet orthopedic surgeon, was uh, very professional. Uh, he had exceptionally white teeth, like really, really white teeth. Um, he does a lot of surgeries, like the day before. Wait, 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 wait. He, so the exceptionally white teeth yeah, yeah. stood out, obviously, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned it, D- that gave you what? You, just, just the detail. No, no. You, you divined that he was an exceptional surgeon because of his exceptionally white teeth? No, if anything, the white teeth were like a, were a, a strike. Why? Because it's, they're too white. They're too, they were too clean. I was like, do you not drink coffee, sir? How often do you bleach your teeth, sir? Why would why would you want a surgeon who depends upon having steady hands drinking lots of coffee? I don't think that's what I mean. What I mean is like, I'd rather my surgeon not look like a TV surgeon. You know what I mean? I'd rather the surgeon look like someone I'd absolutely unexpect to be a surgeon, like a basement dweller from their like mom's basement. You know what I mean? Because then you're like, okay, so you have to be a good surgeon. Otherwise there's no fucking way you would make it in this industry is what I was. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I would expect from my, that's what I'd rather. That's a, I learned that from, uh, 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 Taleb, Nicholas Taleb. Do you, do you read any of his stuff? He talks about that a lot. He's like, I'd rather my, he talks about, yeah, I think he actually uses a surgeon. He uses the surgeon as the exact example as well. He's like, I'd rather my surgeon not look like a TV surgeon. Like if I had a choice between two surgeons and one of them looked unexpectedly not like a surgeon and one of them looked like what you would imagine a surgeon looks like based off of what you've seen on television, you pick the other one, the one that doesn't look like the TV surgeon because I disagree. Oh yeah. I disagree strongly. Yeah. What you got? I think you want somebody who's meticulous in every aspect of their life as your surgeon. Interesting. You, you want somebody who, who takes things so seriously that they take care of themselves. Like everything that they do is precise. That's, that's, that's what you want. You don't want some slob. You want some guy with like stains, like jelly donut stains on his, he hasn't shaved in three days. He has jelly donut stains on his, on his smock, his surgery smock. So here's the example that he uses. And he literally uses surgeons. He says, say you had a choice between two surgeons of similar rank in the same department in some hospital. The first is highly refined in appearance. He wears silver-rimmed glasses. He has thin-built, delicate hands, a measured speech, and elegant gestures. His hair is silver and well-combed. He's the person you would put in a movie if you needed to impersonate a surgeon. His office prominently boasts an Ivy League diploma, both for his undergraduate and his medical schools. The second Dr. one... Dr. Strange. Sure, yeah, Dr. Strange, exactly. The second one looks like a butcher. He is overweight with large hands, uncouth speech, and an unkept appearance. His shirt is dangling from the back. No known tailor in the East Coast is able of making his shirt button at the neck. He speaks unapologetically with a strong New York accent, as if he wasn't aware of it. He even has a gold tooth showing when he opens his mouth. The absence of diploma on the wall hints at a lack of pride in his education. He perhaps went to some local college. 
In a movie, you would expect them to impersonate a retired bodyguard for a junior congressman or a third-generation cook in a New Jersey cafeteria. And he says his pick is that he would take the butcher any minute. And not only that, he would say, I would accept, I would seek the butcher as a third option if my first choice was between doctors that looked like the first ones. Because the one who doesn't look like the part that you expect, conditional of having made a successful career in that profession, had to have overcome much more in terms of perception. Sure. Okay. That makes sense to me. And yet, uh, I don't know. I mean, he says, if we're lucky enough to have people who don't look the part, it's thanks to the presence of skin in the game and the contact with reality that filters out incompetence. Or, or, hold on, there's a lot of underlying assumptions there. Sure. Or, he was that guy and something horrible happened and he became a slob. And so, you know, he's just depressed and, you know, I, I mean, listen, I... I'll take the Polish guy. I think Narek mentioned that his surgeon was so handsome that his wife was unable to uh, like kind of nodded and smiled in this. <laughs> Everything. It, it was almost disarming how handsome he was. Yeah. And he was one of the top surgeons in his field. Yeah, I mean, knowing it's, it's, it's bullshit. It sucks. What's up Narek, with that? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's a, a an excess of gifts, I guess. You know, uh, when it rains, w when it genetically rains, it pours sometimes. That is, that's probably true. That's probably true. Yeah, I don't know, man. But either way, yes, the uh, the doctor uh, was very good at his job. Loki has had a, a really solid recovery over the past few days. She seems to be doing well. Thank you for asking. Um. Did you ever look into what the nicest pair of, you know, those, you know, the wheels that they put instead of the, it was the hind legs, right? I'll tell you right now, it definitely costs less than seven grand, which is what we'll <laughs> So be you did for. look into them? No, I didn't look into them. But, I, but listen, here's the thing. You're assuming that wheels are even the best option. Uh, Katie's sister has a dog that's paralyzed from like the hips down. Um, and they use a drag bag, which is exactly what it sounds like. It is it is an industrial strength bag. I know it's funny. It is funny. It's very cute. So if she's outdoors, and that's only if she's outdoors. If if the dog is outdoors, they they put her in a drag bag, which is like a little baggie that attaches to where her waist is and stops her from dragging her feet across. Um, like, you know, dirt or gravel or whatever, concrete. But inside, she just, like, drags her back feet, and she's so fast. She's still, like, super quick. And she never – you think – here's the thing. The first time I, I, I saw this dog – because I knew this dog. I've known this dog both as, like, a healthy dog and as a paralyzed dog. Paralyzed dog? Handicapped dog? I don't know what the PC term is. But um, both before and after, you know, losing – use of her hind legs right and so this dog i always had maybe i've seen too many horror movies but i just had like these like really horrific expectations that she would like fall off of a sofa and her leg would get caught and would like crack into all these pieces or like it would get caught on like a table chair or underneath another never 
Never. It, it for some some reason, even though there's no physical control, there is there's like a there's a harmony. There's a there's a harmony to the way that the body just like flops and drags across the floor to where it doesn't ever get caught. Like I I was expecting uh you remember uh what was the Robert Rodriguez movie that came out like at the same time as that Quentin Tarantino movie? It was like Death well, Death Proof was the Quentin Tarantino one and the Robert Rodriguez one, I forget what it was called, but the Planet Terror. Planet Terror, right. Well Planet Terror, the whole thing was it was like this virus that was making people go uh uh hand like like paralyzed, like paralytic, right? And the the main chick, like as a nurse, gets her hand caught in the door, like her car door, as she's trying to open it, and goes paralyzed and like breaks her arm off, right? And that's what I was always expecting. Literally, that scene, I was always expecting that, and yet never, not once, has that ever happened. Some some sort of like universal power is is residing within this dog's handicap, in that it it, it is. It's always in the perfect position, regardless of where it's falling or jumping. And it, it, it's its energy levels never changed. Its behavior never changed. It just needs to wear a drag bag if it's going outside. Does Crazy. it make a – I just picture or or hear in my head like this horrible like squeaking sound. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> like as, as, as the dog drags – this this bag that's not well lubricated. No, across. no. It sounds exactly no. what you would imagine a small canvas sack filled with body parts being dragged across concrete would sound like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have no experience with that, so But you can I, envision it. You can I I can actually. And that is exactly what it sounds like. So the wheels, the wheels weren't an option. No, the wheels were not an option. We're fixing our dog's legs. She's only five and a half, man. And the surgery, by the way, I I I didn't know what this was. It's called a TPLO, and I at one point remembered what that stood for. I do not remember what it stands for anymore. But apparently, they don't do like fake ligaments for dogs. You don't you don't get like a cadaver ligament because one of the main reasons why this happens is is due to the actual architecture of the knee. So apparently the way that the knee comes together where like the femur and the shin meet the is is a uh, it's this really steep angle at the top of the knee or at the mm. yeah at the top of the shin. So where the femur sits in. So what usually is supposed to happen is you're supposed to have those cruciate ligaments there to like stop any sort of excess sliding down this this steep angled uh top end of the shin but once that ligament's gone it just the femur slides and slides and slides um, which is apparently very painful and adds a lot of uh, risk for like arthritis and stuff down the line Mm. and so what they do is they they open up the leg and then they they surgically fracture the the shin bone the top of the shin bone so that it's not an angle it's not a steep angle anymore it's level so they literally like cut a crescent into the top and then um i guess it would be a pivot right they cut a crescent into the top they pivot it so the angle goes from really steep to flat 
And then they put like a metal brace in that will function to hold that flat from that point on. Mm. So it's a really interesting surgery. Like it's, it's kind of like, it sounds like a really expensive surgery too. It was a very expensive surgery. It was a yeah. very, it was a very expensive surgery, but yeah, yeah it's, a, well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those surgeries where, you know, the surgeon's like, I'm going to fix God's mistakes. That's what this surgery is. It's like, you designed this poorly, you old man. Yeah. Yeah. For $3,800 uh, a leg. Uh, yeah. They better fix, they better fix those mistakes. <laughs> <clears throat> I agree. I, you know what? I think it's just a matter of, of taking it day by day and making sure that Bowie doesn't get hold of her again. I asked about that actually. So my gut, my gut instinct is to blame Bowie because you know, fuck it. It's his fault. You know what I mean? But apparently according to our doctor, Loki's like a textbook case. She's a lab mix. She's between five and six years old. And she has both back legs, uh, cruciate ligaments torn. He's like, this just happens to like basically every lab mix around this age. If it happens, it happens now. And if it doesn't, they're, they're usually like, okay. I was like, wow. Okay. So I guess it's not really Bowie's fault, but you know, I won't hold it against him is what I'm trying to say. I won't hold it against him. I'm going to be a better adult about this. Good. Well, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy uh, that's working out. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Now it's just you know a few months from now we have to get the other one done. So that'll be interesting. We'll see how that goes. Poor Loki's going to spend 2020 just recovering from two knee surgeries. We'll see. We'll see how she feels after she can run free again. Hopefully, hopefully sooner rather than later. Did you see the? Houston Astros thing with the stealing the signs. I did. I did see that. Um, if it was up to me, all the people involved in that would be banned from baseball and uh, for life. For life, just you're gone. You're out, buddy. Sorry, that ain't it. Especially the fact that it was our Dodgers that got banged in the the uh, World Series twice by essentially the same scheme. That makes it a little bit more testy, you know what I mean? Not that I particularly care about professional sports, but like, you know, born and raised in LA, Los Doyers, you know, can't I can't root against them. Um, well, I, we were there at the game. Yeah, you were there. I, w- I was not there, but you guys were there. Was I there at that one? Was I there for one uh, of those? It was... I think I was I'm, actually there for the Astros one, yeah. I'm pretty sure you were there. Yeah. You don't remember Game 7 World Series? You blocked it out? I guess not. I guess not. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, if it, if it was up to me, I think, I think, I mean, is this really any worse than, is it any better than Pete Rose? Like Pete Rose was banned for life and arguably shouldn't have been, but you know, I don't know. I, I heard that they had like some sort of like non-apology apology over the past couple of days. I mean, what do you, what do you do at, at, if baseball isn't going to throw the book at them, then I, as a human being, you would hope they take accountability, but I'm sure there are, you're talking about a billion dollar franchise valuation. So you're talking about a billion dollar business. I'm sure there are attorneys and PR people coaching them exactly what to say, what level of accountability to take. And 
Uh, I just think, I think they, I don't know about banning them for life. I think the punishment was definitely way too late. I'm biased here. I'm a lifelong Dodgers fan as well. And that was my chance to see the Dodgers win the second World Series in my lifetime. I mean, I remember where I was with the first one. I mean, we were in the basement of, uh, it wasn't a basement. It was like the TV room of dad's friend, CM Mauer. Do you remember that? Do you mm-hmm. remember him? Yeah. And I, I just, I, I remember he had one of those old school big screen TVs that had the canvas. Remember that they, they were like a giant box and had a canvas. I, rem- I remember it. You weren't born. Sorry. And yeah, being there at that game, I, you know, the Dodgers were down, I think they were down five, nothing within before the end of the second inning. Uh, and I remember turning to you guys and saying like, I think Darvish is tipping his pitches because it was the only explanation at the time watching the game that made sense. And you have a guy in you Darvish who at that time had, he had like four pitches in his arsenal. Three of them were considered plus pitches, which meant three of his pitches were considered to be amongst the best pitches in their categories of any pitcher in the majors. And somehow he was getting crushed. And there was talk that, oh, yeah, he must have been tipping his pitches. But he wasn't tipping his pitches. They, they knew exactly what the signs were, and they took advantage of it. And, you know, they snatched a World Series from the Dodgers. I think the, I think the World Series should be vacated. I mean, I don't know about <laughs> awarding it to the Dodgers after the fact. But I definitely think that the World Series that year should be vacated. I think that's how serious it was. Uh, I think, I, I, I mean, Cody Bellinger should have won the MVP. He, he lost the MVP that year in 2017 to an Astro. So he also got, you know, that personally stolen from him. Clayton Kershaw got lit up a couple times in that series. Yeah, I remember K- Kershaw couldn't – He. He was not, he was like, it was as if he wasn't the same pitcher in that series as he was the rest of the season or the rest of his fucking career. You know what I mean? I would love, I would love after it won't, it won't happen while he's playing. It'll, it'll only happen if he ever talks about it. He'll talk about it like 10 years after he's retired. After, after he's in the Hall of Fame, he'll talk about it. I, I, I want to get his perspective because I think he's such a student of the game that he would have he would have realized something was going on. Maybe not being able to put his finger on it, but he would have realized what was going on. And if you remember in game seven, when he came in, he came in after pitching game five, he pitched like four and a half innings in game five, four and two thirds in game five. He came in and, and shut them down for four innings, two hits, two walks, like four or five strikeouts. It was crazy. It was unbelievable. He kept the Dodgers in it, but I mean, it was too deep a hole, especially with all that pressure. 
And yeah, it's a bummer. I mean, watching it though, watching the non-apology apologies, it it just bothers me so much. Bothers yeah. Me so much. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't watch any of the apologies. I saw sort of like the Twitter reaction to it, but I didn't watch any of those videos. I was like, fuck these guys. I mean, I don't know. I, I have a hard time. I get it. There's like gamesmanship <clears throat> and every baseball player that I've talked to says the same thing, which is like, yeah, your entire, like one of the biggest un, unknown about games in the game of baseball is trying to learn the signals, trying to learn the catcher's pitching signals. It's like if you have someone on second base, they're basically taking mental notes the entire time. And every every catcher knows that you you have a much more complicated signing for your pitcher when you have a when you have a, a runner on on second base because you know you don't want to you don't want to tip your pitches in any way. Um, and the fact that they used like you know technology and signing and like the banging on the drums and all that shit to kind of get around that is like so far beyond what you would reasonably expect as within the bounds of of fair play i mean i don't know i don't want to say it's worse than steroids but it's at least as bad as steroids like it's at least as bad as like the sammy sosa and uh mcguire stuff you know i mean like it is at least as bad as that um it's at least as bad as a rod you know over and over and over and over again, you know, getting caught using steroids. Uh, it's at least as bad as this. And th- these guys are, you know, what's going to happen? Nothing's going to happen. They're, they're basically going to, they're going to keep their world series titles. It's going to be something that gets, you know, marked down in history books. There's going to be a 30 for 30 made for it in the next like two years. And I can't wait know, for that. And in, well, in a few years when their contracts are up, they're all going to get signed for like $150 million deals. Because it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. It won't make a difference because there's no consequences for it. So well, we'll see how they perform uh, moving forward. The beautiful thing about baseball is it's a game where statistics are such a integral part of the game, and they're analyzed to such a deep extent. And there are so many aspects of the game that are expressed through statistical measurements that there will be people looking at their performance before and after and uh, taking a look to see how, how that falls off. If it does, I think it will, obviously. I mean, the advantage of knowing what type of pitch cup is coming is tremendous for a baseball player. And the, the, you know, the more stories that come out where you have guys who I think there was a, um, Tony Kemp was called up in like September for the Astros. And he just in an interview said that they actually approached him and said, Hey, we're doing this sign stealing thing. Do you want to participate? And he was like, Nope. Thanks. I don't want to. Wow. And he said that they didn't pressure him, but they just came up straight up. They told him exactly what they were doing. And they asked him if he wanted to participate. And people asked him why he did it. And they said, oh, well, you know, you're such a good guy. And he's like, well, you know, I don't know about that. He's like, I just felt like 
I had just been called up to a, to a you know, super competitive team and I liked how I was swinging the bat and I didn't want to add something that might've distracted me at that time. So he played it super humble. I think he probably was just a good guy and had too much integrity to, to do it. But then those type of guys, you know, also tend to not show up their teammates, you know, when they can avoid doing it. So, yeah, I, it, I, I just saw the story and it was, it, it's a bummer every time I think about it. Uh, and I hope that there's a little bit more justice than there's been so far, but we'll see. Armin, uh, this is, uh, as always, it, it, it's uh, a lot of fun and I enjoy this. So I, I hope we can keep, keep doing this. Absolutely. It's my pleasure, buddy. It's good talking to you. Okay. Give my best to Katie. Has, has she listened to the last, last one? I don't think she got a chance to listen to the last one, but I'll, okay. I'll share it with her. I'll yeah, just edit out, edit out that last 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> we, talked about we talked about it today too. I, I don't want her pissed at me. I, I, I don't want her to think that I'm advocating for, uh, you know, boop. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, I am your big brother. And as a big brother, sometimes I have to uh, introduce all of the possibilities uh, in order to make sure that you've at least considered them. Sure. I'll, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Anytime, yeah. anytime. And listen, you. if you ever need me to, uh, if you ever need me to lay that out, please just let me know. I, I'd be happy to. I know you would. I I'd know you would. <laughs> okay, bro. I love you. Love you too, have, have, have a uh, great weekend and, uh, you know, go get her something nice and uh, just say that it was all part of the plan the entire time. It was all part of the plan. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to get her the best Valentine's Day gift ever. It's not my dick. It's going to be Oreos and milk. Wow. That's great. That's right. That's really good. It's gonna you be know what? You know what you should treat. do? You should have the Oreos and the milk, and you should surprise her. You should like leave Oreo crumbs to the bedroom. And then, when she, <laughs> and then when she walks in, you say, milk me, Katie. Oh, God. <laughs> that, took, that took a turn. That took yes. a turn. Boom. Oh, God.